I think that's what it is for people when they have these choices and they have to realize that in order to say yes to an opportunity that has come before them um, to something that God is leading them to, they are going to have to say no to other things because we just cannot do it all. That is a myth. There's no way we can do it all, have it all. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Executive Coach Lori Schofer. Now, my co-host, John Ramstead, invited Lori into the Coach's Corner this month to answer two questions that you and our listening audience have asked. One, how do you handle a difficult conversation with a business partner? And two, how do I maintain balance between work, family, and faith? If those questions apply to you or somebody that you know, please listen. And if you would be so kind, share it. Here now is Executive Coach Lori Schofer with my co-host John Ramstead on this edition of Eternal Leadership's Coach's Corner. Uh, today on the Coach's Corner, we have Lori Schofer. Lori is an executive and business coach, and Lori and I have gotten to know each other through the work that we've both done through the Professional Christian Coaching Institute. And Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me here today. Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, before we get started, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your background and your story, and then we'll jump into a couple great questions we've gotten from our listeners. Sure, I'd love to. My story is I was working in corporate America for a number of years, and then through a matter of circumstances, my husband and I decided that I should leave corporate America. So at that time, I had to give up my my goal of um, climbing the corporate ladder and kind of take a back seat. That was a difficult thing for me to do at that point. I did that, so I stepped out of corporate America for about 12 years, raised a family. And then at that time, God started working in my life and asking me to return to corporate America. At that time, the kids were older, so things were changing. We were in a, a different life stage. So I did. I returned. I started part-time, then I moved into full-time. I went into the nonprofit industry at that point. And then God had another plan for me, and he started moving in my heart and telling me he had something else for me to do. At that time, I did a little soul-searching. I came in contact with a coach, actually, that I had hired myself. And through a number of sessions together, realized that the giftings that God had for me and the plan he had for me was for me to start my own coaching business. And that I did fairly recently within the last year, actually. And so I have started my own coaching business and been working towards my certifications and have been balancing life myself as a mother and as um, uh, having my own business. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Well, you know, and having done some work with you, Lori, the just the the wisdom and the experience that you bring into the conversations is is really really excellent. And so I'm looking forward to going through some of these these questions with you that we've that we've received. So, you know, the first one uh, came from uh, a listener. And what they asked us is that they have a very difficult conversation coming up with his business partner, and he'd like some thoughts on how to best approach that. And I think that is something, uh, there's a book called Crucial Conversations, which I would really recommend people read. But these are these kind of conversations, they come up often. Sometimes they're emotionally charged. They're difficult. 
Uh, they can seem confrontational going into it. Uh, so when you're working with a client who has this uh, on the horizon, what, what would you start? How would you share with them? Well, you are right, John. There are a lot of situations where we have to have difficult conversations with people. And it happens very frequently. And it's a really difficult thing to do. So giving thought to how you would approach someone is, is so key. Communication, that's what this is really all about. And how well you know your partner, the person that you're speaking to, is crucial to this working. One of the first things that I would recommend a person does is consider the partner and what is the method of communication that works best with them. Is it you know, a sit down face to face in an office? Is it let's grab a cup of coffee and talk, uh, a lunch? Or is it you know, the end of the workday has come, a lot of people have left, let's just have a conversation then. But knowing this uh, partner is really important. And making it a safe environment, that's another factor that is really key to the person. And determining where that safe environment is so that he won't feel uh, threatened, um, make it so that he would feel comfortable. And believe it or not, that could actually be in a coffee shop or just walking to a coffee shop to have that conversations, depending on what kind of message you're going to be delivering. So, Considering the environment, considering the time of day, uh, time of week, uh, staying away from any stressful times in this person's life would be a good idea as well. And then when you finally get to have that conversation, I mean, honesty is the best policy and being respectful in the way that you deliver that message is really important as well. You want to respect this person when you're sharing this information with them. You don't want them to feel threatened. You want them to realize that you're really trying to work with them on this information, you know, that you're delivering to them. And then after you're, you know, you're straightforward and you let them know what's going on, then listen. Then just really turn on your, you know, your listening skills and try to hear what they are saying. Well, I, I think I think what you're saying there is really important, Lori, because a lot of the you know these crucial conversations need, needing to you know, have a difficult conversation with a partner because the directions maybe they're going are very different. This could be with a teenager or a spouse, but you, you have opposing opinions, you have very strong emotions that can be involved in this, and the outcome yes. of the conversation. Can you know can be very high stakes at times. Is it, is it the integrity of the family? Is it is the business going to stay together? So, uh, I think what you're saying is really important. Going into the conversation and really focusing on what is the outcome that I want to have come out of this is almost the anchor for me when I'm doing that listening and doing that listening in a way where I'm not reacting and I'm not bringing my emotions into it because I think. It's very important in these kind of conversations to stay very anchored in the facts because what we tend to do, I th what, I, what I have seen, I love your, your thoughts on this, that really pull crucial conversations into the ditch is when we start taking the facts of the fact patterns that are happening and we have these mindsets and we have these uh, filters that we have and we start creating these stories and these narratives based on the facts that are 
almost self-fulfilling to how we either are viewing it or want to view it or reinforcing our thoughts of the other person. And when we do that, the other person is going to, is not going to engage with us productively. So, you know, staying, staying connected to the facts and the outcome that we want this conversation to have is a really good framework to put a lot of thought into going into any conversation like this. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Really giving thought to the outcome is important. Really sort of allowing that partner to, I want to say vent, react, you know, you, you might be blindsiding them with something that you're sharing. So you just need to let them get their emotion out and through that process, really be listening to what they're saying. And then based on what they're saying, then you formulate your next question or point that you would want to, you know, make with them. I think the other thing to realize, John, is sometimes this kind of a conversation needs to continue. Like you may have, we, we may have the conversation and start it one day, but because there is so much to process and our partner needs to think through what we've said, you know, a good night's sleep does a lot for a person. And so sometimes considering you're just starting the conversation one day and then you're going to follow up in another day or two really helps that person through this kind of a conversation. Yeah, because, you know, when these conversations in our mind, you know, sometimes it's, it's almost a fight or flight mentality. You know, we can either yeah. avoid this conversation or if we approach the conversation prematurely and it's just a natural reaction, it's our physiology when our, our emotions get involved and we start feeling that yeah. tightness in our chest or we're starting to feel defensive, you know, we <laughs> regress to you know, almost kind of the worst of us. I, I, I'm speaking from yeah. my own experience, so I don't want to put that <laughs> on course. everybody else. And and then and then you have the conversation, and this is what I call delayed intelligence. You know, you're driving home or you're taking the elevator back to your office, you're going, wow, I blew that, or man, I wish I would have said that, or, you know, even, you know, uh, here's a zinger I could have thrown out in response to their zinger, you know, if you've really kind of got into those base emotions. So, you want to avoid all that because you want to have a conversation that moves things forward in a positive way. So I, I think really examining what you're talking about, what are, you know, a lot of empathy here. What is the other person, maybe what's the narrative they've built on the facts? And if you can really get agreement up front, like you're talking about, of what is the outcome of this conversation? Hey, I really am committed to this business and you as my partner, I wanna make this work, I wanna move forward, I want things to look like they, how we worked together a few years ago. So if you're setting the foundation in a way that's edifying and has a direction uh, that you can both agree on, then you can start having a conversation, whether it's in marriage or business or with your teenagers, that can now start in, you know, being positive in the outcome. Absolutely. And when this is a person that is your partner, you, you know, there's a history there. You both know you're heading in the same direction. You have the same goal. You're working towards the same end. And when you've worked together for so long, this person knows that you really have their best interest in mind. They actually are going to respect you because you've brought up this issue. That's a difficult issue. I mean, right there, you will gain their respect because you're approaching them on something that's not easy um, to talk about. So you will be sort of reinforcing the respect for them. And then I think for them to know that, 
you know, you're with them in this, whatever this uh, situation is, and that you're there to work um, with them through it, that just has tremendous value. It really does. I agree. And what I would really recommend to people listening to this, if, if this is, uh, you know, this is part of all of our lives. And, you know, one resource that I have found that has really been helpful for me, and I've given this book out to a number of people, is a book called Crucial Conversation. They're their subtitle is Tools for Talking When the Stakes Are High. And uh, I, I would definitely recommend digging into that and maybe even going through some of their training uh, if these are conversations that are coming up a lot in your life. But, you know, to yeah. summarize, uh, you know, hey, find a safe place. Yeah. Uh, be in a good place for listening. People want to feel validated. Uh, stick to the facts of the conversation and go into the conversation, knowing the outcome that you want to move toward, because when our emotions start to get high or, or, you know, come into play, sometimes we just want to either want to win that, that verbal engagement, that battle, and we lose sight of actually what we're trying to accomplish. And then, and then we won't, we, it's not going to turn out the way we want it to. Very good. Very good summary. So the second question that we had come in and this comes up a lot, um, and there's a number of them, but let's just let's just boil it down to this whole concept, Lori, of work-life balance. People just feel totally out of balance. They're working way too many hours. Uh, I had it described to me this way recently: is that I'm working so many hours in my business, and my business is like one pillar, and then my other pillar is my family, my role as a husband and a father, and my other pillar is my faith and what I'm trying to do in the community. And whenever I focus on one, it it's it does well, but the other two just start to languish. And if I focus on my family, the other two start to languish. And I think people are, are, are looking for a way to kind of almost pull those different pillars of their life together so they have some fulfillment. Now, I don't think we can ever be totally in balance, but if we're out of balance, it needs to be intentional. And I think most people uh, that I know, including myself, are not intentional when we're out of balance. It's just we're just being carried along by this this fast paced current down down a river sometimes so when you when people come to you and that's the situation that they're in what where do you start with them well the work life balance uh, picture is different in each person's mind believe it or not some people actually think um analytically in that, you know, four hours here, four hours there, four hours here, you know, throughout my day. And they think like that is, is, is how they balance it. And what I've learned through living enough of life um, myself, um, actually learned this way back in a Sunday school uh, class that I took years ago, was that things will be out of balance throughout life. And it's in the long term as to what true balance looks like. So there may be weeks or there may be months when I have to put in more hours at work because of a project, because of something going on. Then that period will end. Then there may be a period where there are personal things that are going on in my home where I have to put in more hours with my kids or with whatever's going on there. And then I'll feel like, oh, I'm a little out of balance there because I haven't done as much in work. So really, it's kind of the big picture of work-life balance that is where we can get a sense of a sense of balance. And if we're able to follow where the Lord is leading us and what we are to do with our time at, at any one moment, 
then we're going to be in balance with what he wants us to do and might not be in balance with what everybody else wants us to do. Well, you know, the whole concept of, you know, feeling out of balance in, in a lot of people's lives, it's just, it creates a lot of, you know, discontent, uh, anxiety, um, maybe stress. What, what do you think the reason behind the reason of that feeling is? I think people are comparing themselves a lot, John. I, you know, some of the clients that I deal with, they, they are struggling with this. And then when we talk about balance and when we try to figure out why they're really out of balance, it ends up being because they're not living up to the standards that they see somebody else's life being. And so they're comparing themselves. And then that makes them think that they are out of balance. Well, yeah, uh, I agree. And I think, you know, if you get to the root cause, the framework I, I create with the clients I'm working with is really uh, or do they have a framework on how to make decisions on, you know, what is taking up their time? What What is pulling yes. them out of balance? And a lot of that gets down to our core values. And um, I would ask, you know, anybody listening to this, if that's something you're struggling with in your life, how well do you know what your core values are? And I'm not talking about the values you think you should have. You know, some people in either a leadership role or they're in a nonprofit and they're being looked at by a lot of people on the outside or the inside, and they feel that certain values that they, they should have. Uh, but there's not they really haven't taken the time to say, okay, here's the three or four values that are just how God wired me, it defines who I am, and then looking out in your life and saying, is what I'm doing in alignment with those values? And what I have found is those stressors in our life, that anxiety, it's coming from those places where we're actually acting out of alignment of really who we were created to be. So it's a process of really digging deep in, in finding and identifying those core values, because then those core values, once you really understand those and you marry those with you know what your strengths are, what you're gifted to do, that then can inform you with your priorities and what you're saying yes and no to in your life. Absolutely, John. That's that's like our sweet spot. Like That's like how God created us to be. And when a person can take the time and figure out what those values are to them, that is just going to, they're going to resonate with that person. And it is just going to, it's going to be like beautiful. They're going to be like, yeah, that is how he made me. Those are the strengths I have. This is what I was made to do. Then taking that and using it sort of as a measurement tool against what is then being asked of them, that that's just the best. Because then they can make a decision based on what their their value is, how God created them, and be in alignment with him and not be trying something that they think that they should be doing or that somebody else is telling them that they should be doing, which is where the stress thing comes in and then them feeling you know out of balance. Yeah, you know, and just a simple way to just, you know, start that process is, you know, just think back to a time when in your life that it was just everything was just vibrant. It could have been you just won an award at work or the birth of your child or you're on vacation and you'd have this beautiful view and you, you know, just look at some of those high points in your life that you just felt alive. Your values were being honored in that moment and start, you know, writing down what those were. Now the flip side also, Lori, is look at some of those times in your life where we've just felt totally stressed. We've not been happy at all about a decision that was made or a conversation that was had. Typically, if you look at the root cause of that, 
there was some value in our life that was being violated with what we had to be doing or what the just the decisions that were made in that point. That'll also give us some clarity on what the values that were arising in that point. And as we go on that and we start putting those pieces together and start getting clarity on what that is. And I actually have a values exercise that I do with my clients. I'll, uh, for the post for this episode, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. People can just download that and, and go through that. But it, it's a process. And for some people, just finding those core values, it, it can take two, three, four months. It's not just a quick process and looking at a list of values and circling the ones you think you know sound really cool. <laughs> I'm just laughing, John, because, yes, I have done those value assessments. Here, take this piece of paper. What words resonate with you on the circle? And bingo, there you are. You got your values. It is a much deeper process than that. It does take time. It does take thought. You do need to invest in doing that. You're really investing in yourself when you do that. And you're investing in your family and those around you. Because once you do make that connection with what the values are for you, you are just going to feel like you are in the right place. And then when someone approaches you to try to do something that's out of alignment with your values, you can very confidently say that is just not something that is in alignment with my values. You could say something like that. You could say something like that is just not really the way God created me to be as well. And then you can confidently say no to some things and say yes to other things. But once you find those values, Owning them is so important. That's the other, you know, aspect to that. Owning them and living them and using them as a measurement stick for when you're deciding, do I take on this project? Do I volunteer here? Do I, whatever it is, but you can have something to measure it against. And that, that gives you such peace of mind than knowing that you are functioning in your values and and the way God created you. You know, so think about this, you know, a big part of coaching is really, really helping people get clarity on the outcomes or, you know, the vision that they're moving toward, you know, the, the life that they want to create for themselves. So as you've worked with clients that have gotten that clarity just on their values as that framework to now start making these decisions, Lori, what has been the fruit in their life? And the reason I ask that, because the process to really dig down and and not only find these, but then have them reflected in your priorities and your calendar and how you do things definitely takes some intentionality. So what would you say the results are on the other side of somebody going through this process? Peace. I just see these these you know clients that I have worked with, all of a sudden, they're not wrestling anymore um, within themselves and with um, with life and the choices and decisions they have. They were wrestling because they just didn't know what they should be doing or or not. As you go through the process and work on the values and as they take that time and they find out what is really important to them, what God has made them do, and then when they make movement forward in those areas, they are in a peaceful place and they are headed towards contentment. And some of them are just content right there because they know that they are doing the right thing. And that just reduces their stress level, too. No, I agree. Now, sometimes it's not just the values. There's a, there's a couple mindsets out there that are endemic in our leadership population of either being a people pleaser 
or wanting to be the person that can do it all no matter what they're asked. And we have a very, very hard time saying no, and it's become cultural. And so if if somebody's looking at their calendar, and it's just crazy, and how do they start saying no to things, Lori? It's kind of too funny, John. Believe it or not, I'm doing a uh, personal Bible study called The Best Yes, which is by Lisa Turkus. And she talks about making choices about what is the best yes. And part of the best yes means you have to say no to certain things. Mm, that's a, that's so, powerful. Yes, it is. Her material is, is really good. And I think that's what it is for, for people when they have these choices. And they have to realize that in order to say yes to an opportunity that has come before them, um, to something that God is leading them to, they are going to have to say no to other things because we just cannot do it all. That is a myth. There's no way we can do it all, have it all. What we can do is we can put our time and energy and say yes to those things that God has for us. And when we then have to say no to the other things, it's easier to say no to the other things because we are following him and making our choices to say yes. You know, I like. I was re- recently reading the book Essentialism, another book I I, I would uh, recommend. Uh, I love to read, but you know, there's a story in there. It was an executive at a company. He was very senior, very so busy that he was totally out of balance, and uh, he was going to retire, just leave the company. They didn't think they could. They needed him there, so they said, "Why don't you just figure out what your strengths are, and only do what you are good at, and say no to everything else." over the course of the next few weeks, he stripped away more than half of what was on his calendar on a regular basis. The result of that, Lori, over the course of the next year, he had never been more fulfilled. He'd never been more productive. He'd never added more value to the company in his entire career there. And according to him, he had never had better relationships with his family and his kids outside of that. So there is, it might be counterintuitive, but, you know, going through a process of working in your strengths, working in those values and saying, you know, what you said, a good yes to things that are, that are in alignment with that. um, The results can be spectacular. They can be very meaningful to just our peace and our fulfillment and our joy and our effectiveness. But it, it doesn't sometimes feel like that on the front end going into that process. Well, that is so wise. That was very, very wise of that person to share with him. Focus on your strengths. When you focus on your strengths and do things that you are so really good at, you are going to go, you're going to cruise through those tasks. You're going to go through those things like, you know, butter through a knife, a knife through a butter, that kind of a thing. When you do things that you are not, you know, not in your strengths, you're going to You're going to agonize over them. They're going to be stressful. But guess what? There is another person who that area is their strength. If that other person on your team, in your organization, takes on those tasks, focus in that area, they're going to take off. They're going to fly and soar as well. So just because we say no to things that are not within our our strength area doesn't mean those things are not going to get done in 
in the group, in the work team, in your company, because there will be somebody else that can do that really well. And when we all, you know, when a work team figures out what they are all strong in, that's like harmony. When everybody then focuses on what they do well, they go into the area, they approach the projects with their strengths. That team's going to go well. They go far. They're going to do well. They're going to be very successful. You know, I agree, you know, working with with teams and creating high performance teams, one of the biggest challenges of a leader is really leading with clarity in times of uncertainty. And what I have found is the best way to equip yourself to do that, and there's a lot of uncertainty, especially in the business world, is when you really know your strengths, but you've taken time to understand the people that are on your team, your peers, your reports, understand their strengths and making sure everybody is working in those areas where they contribute the most and they also, you know, they feel like they're, uh, get the most value out of and, uh, the most, uh, enjoyment working in those areas. The synergy that that creates is a leader harnessing that when you're going through these challenging times in business and in life really makes a big difference on making decisions that allow everybody as a team to move forward. So I think that whole concept of not only working in your strengths, but taking that time to understand the strengths of those around you in developing those and pulling those out into how everybody is, you know, working together as a team has some huge benefits beyond just, you know, some of the personal things. Oh, absolutely. We'll follow somebody that has our best interests in mind, somebody that knows what we are capable of, no matter what the no matter what is going on around us in the company, no matter how successful or, or how bleak things may look, if you're on a team and you have a leader who knows what you are really good at, who recognizes that, who encourages that in you, who gives you assignments that are um, in sync with that, you, you are going to, you know, you're going to go to bat for that leader. You mm-hmm. are just going to be so all in with that person because you you know they have your best interest in mind when they do that with the whole team. And I so believe you can do that. I have so experienced that. Those it, it Everybody just clicks. They go and they function in what they do well in. They are all in with that leader. They're going to go wherever he takes them. And, you know, and that's a fun place to work. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where everybody wants to work. Well, and everybody wants to be a team like that. I was speaking to a large group recently and and just said, hey, who here is currently part of a dysfunctional team? Now, nobody wanted to raise their hand because I think, you know, they were they were calling out everybody that was, you know, that was working with them at their company. So I said, who here has worked on a dysfunctional team in the past where you weren't working in your strengths? There wasn't a lot of trust. I think every hand went up in the room except for one. And I think he fell asleep. So um, anyway, so just to summarize, crucial conversations. Um, Lori, I love what you said. You just you need to keep it safe. You need to focus on the outcome and the facts and just think and plan. And I would really encourage people to just pray and seek that wisdom, God's wisdom. Bring the Holy Spirit into that conversation with you, even if it's in a secular company with a secular person. You have that ability to have that wisdom, that peace, that love that's going to really influence that conversation in a very positive way. You know, and then work-life balance, you know, learn how to say no. Um, get an understanding of your core values, work on them, develop them, 
and have somebody help you, whether it's a coach or a mentor or a support group, but find ways to bring those out authentically into your life on how you're making decisions, how you're interacting with other people. Um, so, you know, any final thoughts here as we wrap up, Lori? I think you summarized it really well, uh, John. I, I think, you know, when we do have those difficult conversations, just to stay focused on that other person, to be respectful of that other person, to really listen well, and to, to stay focused on the facts as well, that is, is just all so good. And that will just really go well with that other person in those situations. And the work-life balance, that is something that many people are trying to find and work out. And having someone come alongside you most definitely will help you go farther faster, whether that be a coach, be a mentor, whoever you can have um, speak into your life as you're trying to balance or as you're trying to lead others just will make you so much more successful. I agree. And Lori, thank you so much for your time and thank you for who you are and for coming on the podcast today. You're welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me today. It was an honor. If you would like to learn more about John or Lori as an executive coach, you can find their bios and contact info in our show notes at eternalleadership.com slash 043. That's eternalleadership.com slash 043. Now, I can't speak for Lori, but I know that if you're interested in John as an executive coach, you can contact him for an initial free 30-minute phone call. So you can chat with him a little bit more and see if it would be a good fit. Again, John's contact info is in our show notes, eternalleadership.com slash 043, or look for it in this episode's summary embedded in the MP3. If you have questions that you would love John or one of his Coaches Corner guests to answer, you can send them to us via Twitter, at Eternal Leaders, via Facebook, facebook.com slash Eternal Leadership, or through LinkedIn via our Eternal Leadership LinkedIn group. Special thanks to Justin Jeffrey for his editing and production help. Next time on Eternal Leadership, John interviews me. I was driving my son down to school and I was listening to the song. And as the song was building, 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 I was watching this airplane take off from the airport and it was climbing, climbing, climbing. And they almost seemed to be in sync. And right at the point the guitars made a hard right turn, the airplane made a turn. And I heard the Holy Spirit say in my spirit, not audibly, but, but in my spirit, I heard this is your career. Back on episode two, we heard John's story, and a few of you have asked to learn about me, and you'll hear just how radically my career changed and how God confirmed it exactly one year to the day after I felt him tell me that. Hope you listen. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. Eternal Leadership.